As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 238 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am not Grant Brisby. Do not adjust your radio dial or whatever device you're listening to this on. I am Andrew Baggerly, and I'm here with Carrie Crowley. Hi, Carrie. Bags, how's it going? Good. Grant is on vacation. I just got back from vacation, so the ship's passing in the night. I think for Grant, literally, he's on a, a ship somewhere. But 238, it's my job to be the Easter egg uh, bearer, so I came up with this one. 238 is the batting average for John Bowker in his three seasons with the Giants. And we'll spin that to our present day because John Bowker was traded at the trade deadline uh, in 2010 for a guy named Javier Lopez, who has won three World Series rings as a giant. So we said goodbye to John Bowker at that time. And now we're going to find out who they're going to say goodbye and hello to coming up with the trade deadline here in in just a a week and a half. I'm melding it all together. The John Bowker era was probably when I really watched the Giants, so very familiar with him. I probably answered Immaculate Grid on John Bowker in uh, Giants-Pirates crossover there. So I told Grant that I'd be talking about Cody Ransom on this podcast, but any day you get to talk about John Bowker is a good day, Bags. Yeah, you know what? I actually saw him earlier this season. He and Tyra Uematsu, Giants assistant coach, former bullpen catcher, are really, really good friends. Uh, they just became, they hit it off. They became great friends. And then John Bowker played uh, for the Yomiuri Giants. He played in Japan for several years. And he's back now. And I walked past him on the field and did not recognize him. He's kind of grown his hair out. He's basically turned into a full-time surfer. And he just looks so laid back and so happy and, you know, obviously made some good money in Japan, so good for him. Had a good experience in baseball. 
you know, one of those guys who, when he was coming up with the Giants, they're just so tense and so so kind of um, intense because you know it's it's their chance. You know, it's it's their big chance in the big leagues, and and every failure just seems like it's magnified 100. percent And uh, so whether it's a, a Connor Gillespie or Travis Ishikawa or John Bowker, you know, those guys when you see them come back around, it almost seems like a weight's been lifted off their shoulders. So yeah, I almost didn't recognize him because he looks like a total surfer dude now. But it was good to see him. But we're not here to talk about John. Bowker. <laughs> it's a full John Bowker podcast, Max. We're here to talk about the Giants, and you've watched more Giants baseball lately than I have since I was just on vacation. They're in the middle of a pretty good road trip. They're they're still banged up. They're still leaking oil. They've just put Brandon Crawford on the injured list, but then his knee acted up. Lamont Wade Jr. is still dealing with some creaky stuff. Uh, J.D. Davis apparently is on a liquid diet because he can't keep anything down. You know, they did just drop a couple to the Reds, but uh, overall it's been a pretty good start to this road trip out of the All-Star break. Yeah, and they really did build off the momentum that I think started at the end of the first half when Logan Webb threw the shutout against the Colorado Rockies. I think that Webb was probably a little ticked off that he didn't make the All-Star team, and he goes out and shoves, and the Giants come back in Pittsburgh against a Pirates team that hasn't given up yet. You'd rather see the Pirates in August and September after they've traded a few guys, although I, I don't even know who they have to trade at this point, and... They played well, and they won the extra innings game, and then they won another extra innings game on Tuesday, Bags. And I've been so impressed by what they've done in extra innings this year. I think since losing their first extra inning game, they've won like six in a row. And having Camilo Doval and his ability to just strike guys out in the 10th inning has been critical for them. Camilo is just sensational. He's so fun to watch, and he really reminds me of the Rob Nen era in San Francisco when, yeah, Brian Wilson put guys on base, and he was incredible for several years, but Camilo's more of a throwback to Rob Nen for me with the triple-digit heat, the excellent slider, and, and I just think that you can't say enough about what he did at the beginning of this road trip to get the Giants comfortable and back in the win column, as Joe Angel would say. Yeah, he's been huge, and uh, and the Rogers brothers have also been huge, and the Giants are six and two in extra inning games. They haven't played a ton of extra inning games. As I look down the list here, do you know what team has been the worst in extra innings this year? Well, I know that historically under Dave Roberts, the Dodgers have been bad, so that would be a guess from me. The San Diego Padres, zero and nine in extra Oof. inning games, zero and nine. I mean, if you flip that around, if they even have half of those are wins, then they're at least at 500 and, and within shouting distance here. But that's, I mean, they're 46 and 50 as we're recording this, and, and that includes being 0 and 9 in uh, uh, extra inning games. So that helps to explain why they are where they are, even though they have a positive run differential. So Dodgers are, uh, let's see, they are 3 and 3 in extra inning games. So. But yeah, the Padres. Ooh, that you wonder why that is. That's crazy. They're five and sixteen in one run games. So that that I look at something like that and I think that it's it's got to turn for them. I know a lot of season has gone by, but you're looking at where the teams start to differentiate themselves and which teams are really falling out of it. And you know there has been some talk lately about will the Padres sell? And they've got Blake Snell, they've got Josh Hader, they've got guys who could be difference makers. Even Juan Soto, uh, they have another year of control over him. But this could be the time to move him if you don't think you can re-sign him. But I, I don't know. I think they have another run in them. Uh, and, you know, they're, what, uh, nine and a half back of the Dodgers and eight back of the Giants. And, and, and the wild card grouping is, is pretty clumped uh, right after the Giants with the Diamondbacks and, and the Reds, obviously, and the Phillies and Marlins. But uh, 
I, I'm not counting the Padres out, and, and, and I really would be surprised if they start to move people, um, even though the record is where it is. That's sort of where we are in this exercise with the trade deadline. It's, it's, uh, it's not uh, static at all. It's very dynamic. Uh, a team could lose you know, six in a row and, and make the decision that they're out, and a, t- and a team could be on the fringes and win six or eight in a row, and then you know, the players that you thought would be available are not going to be available. But you know, there, there are a few teams I think we can point to, some who have even gone on the record, like the St. Louis Cardinals, and, and said, look, we are going to be subtracting from this roster. So uh, I, I think we can start to cobble together a list of, of players that would be available that, uh, that could help the Giants. And uh, you know, there are some pretty interesting names out there. There's a ton of interesting names out there, and it's fascinating to me at the trade deadline this year, Bags, because every contender, including the Atlanta Braves, who've just been playing at like a 108-win pace until the Arizona Diamondbacks rolled into town this week, even they need starting pitching. The Giants are among the teams that I think needs to improve their rotation, even though, in theory, you've got names. You've got Anthony DiScofani, Ross Stripling. You've got Alex Wood. It's just they're not putting it together. The other issue is the Giants are looking for middle infield help at a time where you look around at the selling teams and what they have to offer in the middle infield. And I look at all those names, the Ahmed Rosarios of the world, the Nicky Lopez's, the Tony Kemp's of the world, and even Tommy Edmond in St. Louis, and there's no one I point to and say, he'd be an automatic upgrade in this Giants lineup right now. And it's just really, really hard to search for middle infield help. And that's why I think that Farhan's going to have a tough time at this year's deadline if they don't bring up Tyler Fitzgerald or, you know, who knows what happens with Marco Luciano over the next month at AAA Sacramento. But to be in the middle infield market this year, there are no Marco Scuderos out there. That's just very apparent when you scan the market. Yeah, even, uh, you know, Donovan Solano would be a guy that that could fit coming back, really. But the Twins are in first place. You know, they're not going to subtract from that roster right now. I mean, they could have Javier Baez, but uh, uh, he's got a lot (laughs) left on his contract. The great swing decisions of Javier Baez fitting with the Giants ethos. Right? Yeah, I think Scott Harris would be like, yes, please. <laughs> please. We'll, we'll send the, we'll even pay for the shipping. But yeah, it's, it is, it is going to be a little bit tricky to find, uh, to find a good fit that, that is an, an automatic upgrade because, you know, not only are you adding someone to the roster, but you're going to have to subtract someone off the 40 man and they're, they're not as flabby as they used to be in terms of the back end of the 40 man roster. So, you know, it'll be really interesting to see if uh, if they do uh, if they can get something out of um, you know, Brett Wisely. They're going to have to rely on Casey Schmidt. They do think that Brandon Crawford's knee just needs that ten days to calm down, and that maybe he'll be all right. I don't know if he's going to get another cortisone shot, but that sort of got him over the hump in spring training. But yeah, it, it is definitely an area of need right now. But who's to say it's going to be an area of of really great need ten days from now? That's uh, that's not so cut and dried. I, I I just think they need one more hitter and one more pitcher. And if you could only just get a guy and use one <laughs> roster spot and address both those needs, I mean, that would just be, I mean, a fantasy land if you could do that. But I mean, who, who, who exists, who exists, who, who fits that definition? You'd have to go back to like a, a Babe Ruth before we've seen anyone right, like that. Back. Right. So I, I, I don't know who's out there and, and what the Giants could give up, but if there was hypothetically a guy like that, they'd have to be all in on him. I guess we should probably drop the the cheekiness and just uh, and get right into Shohei Otani. What do you think? I mean, I'm not going to believe it until it actually happens that the Angels will trade him just because Artie Moreno was set to sell his whole team and he couldn't do it. It's his toy. It's his plaything. He couldn't 
bear to do it. And I just imagine those same emotions are going to be at play and, and no trade happens unless, you know, Artie Moreno approves it. And I just don't know how any team could give up a package uh, for a rental player who's, I mean, it's the greatest player of our generation, but he's still a rental player. I just don't know any team would really give up, totally gut their farm system uh, for two months of anybody. And it's certainly whatever the Angels get back, it's not going to be justifiable to their fans. I don't know if they're going to cross the bridge to actually trade Shohei Otani. I, I think it's one of those things. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, it's a really fun thought exercise to try to put together all these mock trade packages and see you know what the different prospect groupings you can put together that might compel the Angels to part with Otani would be. But you said it. The reality is Artie Moreno is trending in a direction and is probably trending in the direction where he doesn't want his legacy to be the guy who traded Shohei Otani. And then... The other general managers, the other presidents of baseball operations around Major League Baseball, can they part with four or five prospects? I'm of the belief that it would probably take the Angels losing something like 8 of 10 headed into the deadline or 7 of 10 headed into the deadline to really compel them to give up on Otani and give up on this season and say, we're just going to take whatever we can get for him at this point because it'll be better than a qualifying offer. But I'm also of the belief that if they were to get to that point, some of these packages we've seen out there that a lot of national reporters have you know, said this is what it would take, I have a hard time buying the fact that you're giving up your top four or five prospects for a rental. I think that you can you know, attach a major league caliber player there. You can throw in a few guys with experience and then two prospects or something and get a deal done. The hypotheticals that we've seen around the Giants, be it you know Kyle Harrison, Carson Wisenhunt, Marco Luciano, and Vaughn Brown are include Patrick Bailey in a deal alongside your top two pitching prospects. I saw one that included Mike Yastrzemski. They're just not realistic. And I don't think Farhan Zaidi has spent all this time building up what the Giants now have in the farm system, what they now have in their 40-man roster that you said is a lot more compact than it was maybe a few years ago, just to get two months of Otani, even if he is the absolute perfect fit for what this team needs right now. I do think it, it would make sense in an Otani trade for Jock Peterson to go the other way because you've got someone who's just a left-handed DH. He's their highest paid player. You know, if they do uh, take on more than $12 million of salary, they're going to go over the luxury tax, which you could say, well, who cares? And, you know, maybe you shouldn't care. I mean, but uh, there are penalties in terms of uh, how much money you get in, in your draft pool, you know, draft picks, things like that. And if you are going to try to sign Otani, uh, you're probably definitely going to be uh, in, into tax land in future years. And those penalties go up if you're a, a, um, a multi-time, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what would you say um, if you go over the, the tax limit multiple tax? years? That might be yeah. NBA so term. yeah, that it is a little bit more of an NBA term, but but I think you you get my drift. And so you want to try to enter that with a clean slate if you can. Uh, if you attach Peterson's salary going the other way, then then maybe uh, maybe you can get Otani and and still stay under that tax line. It's not the the biggest uh, issue. It's not the biggest stumbling block, but it is a consideration. And you'd have a guy who you know, is making a lot of money who doesn't really have anything left to do if you're Jock Peterson. So although hey, he played a decent outfield in um, uh, you know the end of the first uh, first half. So 
I do think that um, the one story I've seen that I think speaks intelligently to what it would take to get Otani is something that Jeff Fletcher wrote. I've known Jeff a long time. He's the Orange County Register Angels beat reporter, and he spoke with a few industry executives, including, I believe, Jim Duquette, uh, former MLB GM. And basically, they said they looked at the the big Dodgers blockbuster a couple years ago when they got uh, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in 21. It is by the way, goofy to think that the Dodgers are the Dodgers. And then they added Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, and the Giants still won that division in 2021. It's just, it still blows my mind to think that. But anyway, so Scherzer was a rental. Turner had another year of club control. That's critical. But the Dodgers gave up their top two prospects. They gave up Cabert Ruiz. They gave up Josiah Gray and a couple of other names as well. I do think it would be probably realistic that, uh, you know, when Otani can basically do what both those guys do, it is realistic to think that Marco Luciano would be part of a deal, uh, that Kyle Harrison would probably be part of a deal. And maybe, uh, like like I said, maybe Jock Peterson goes the other way and, and they have to attach another prospect for the Angels to take the money. It's one of those things where we're talking about it and this is total infotainment, right? It's, <laughs> it's like... It doesn't matter. It only matters what Artie Moreno wants to do. (laughs) But I do think, it is fan fiction, but I do think that there is maybe an advantage to be had if you acquire this guy when you're trying to to re-sign him. I don't know what's in his head. Nobody does. Nobody thought he'd pick the Angels in the first place, right, when he first came over from Japan. But, you know, the Giants were a finalist last time. I think everyone knew that they had no shot because there was no DH. Well, that's not an issue anymore. So they should be on his short list again. And I don't know if he's the kind of person who would feel a sense of obligation if the Giants gave up all their top prospects to get him, to think that, you know, that then he would feel obligated to to stay. He's going to get life-altering, record-setting contract no matter what. So, I mean, it's it's not going to it's not going to be hard for him to get the dollar figure he's got in mind, whether it's seven hundred million or, or more. And the Giants can totally be the team to give him that. But I wonder if acquiring him and winning with him would really give them a meaningful advantage uh, in trying to sign him as a free agent. I, I kind of think it might. If it does, then man, that really might be worth paying through the nose to get this guy. And then he gives you a middle of the order hitter who can hit who's on a pace to hit 60 homers and by the way also a front of the rotation presence to stick up there with Logan Webb i mean it's like the fit is just it's perfect it's absolutely perfect right, will it happen who knows but you better believe that they should try looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Yeah. And the one thing that I'll say about Farhan Zaidi at the trade deadline is his track record going back to his days in Los Angeles with Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers is if they have a team, and the Giants do this year, that's playoff caliber, that could potentially make a deep run, he often shops at the top of the trade market. You go back to Los Angeles in those days, they were getting you Darvish, you were getting Manny Machado, you were getting difference makers at the, at the trade deadline each year in 2021. One of the top players on the market, Chris Bryant, and the Giants gave up Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian in a trade that probably isn't going to hurt them all that much in the long run. Killian hasn't panned out. Canario's dealing with injuries, and no, Bryant didn't re-sign in San Francisco, but as you wrote, uh, I don't think that was part of the plan uh, when uh, they saw him in the outfield and playing defense with the Giants, and they're probably glad that they didn't make a big offer to him. But the point is, if the Giants don't get Otani, I do think there's an opportunity for them to shop at the top of the market add a starter who can fit in alongside Logan Webb and Alex Cobb and give yourself the opportunity to win a playoff series. Because right now, beyond Webb and Cobb in the rotation bags, you're looking at DeSclafani, Stripling, Wood. I'm not so sure that if you're looking for three clean innings, that Tristan Beck wouldn't be the best guy to give you three clean innings. And he was just optioned to AAA. I agree. I agree. And I don't know if free agency is going to have a whole lot of other options. I mean, even like guy like uh, Julio Urias is sitting there with a five ERA and, and he might, I mean, who knows? He might take a qualifying offer at this point. I mean, he's had such a, a, a troublesome season. So I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of free agent starting pitching choices out there. Now that you, you could look at that and say, well, then it's even more important that they keep someone like Kyle Harrison, you know, because uh, that's it's really expensive to build a rotation from the outside world. And you're not going to hit on a Carlos Rodon or a Kevin Gossman every year. So, so yeah, you, you could totally say that. But then, you know, obviously, um, if you have an Otani in your rotation, that's pretty good, too. So... I do wonder if, if Otani's not attainable, and I still think the answer is probably less likely that the Angels deal him. Just total total gut feeling. There's still some pretty interesting names out there, uh, and I, I think you can probably start with the two guys who killed the Giants over the years, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, and those are guys who you know have years left on their deals. The Cardinals definitely need to reset. Uh, they're, they're, um, I, I don't know if they're going to blow up the whole enterprise. You know, if, if they can reset in a way that means moving one of those two guys, I think they would. How would you feel about Nolan Arenado in a Giants uniform? <laughs> well, he's comfortable hitting in Oracle Park. And if Paul Goldschmidt came to the Giants, I think Tim Linscombe would have to throw out the first pitch that day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and Col- <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt would hit it, yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. That's their strategy. Build the whole airplane out of the black box. You get Nolan Arenado. You get Paul Goldschmidt. Um, see if Scott Hairston wants to come yeah, out of retirement. Just, oh, you, took the, um, you took the name out of my mouth. Gosh, Will Myers. Got to get, gotta get Will catcher? Myers. Wow. Probably not. He could give you some some uh, some some tips at the track, but uh, I don't think he could do that. Will Myers. Hey, he and Patrick Bailey went to the same high school, so uh, bring him aboard because he's the one guy who hits uh, at Oracle Park. So yeah, maybe that needs to be the whole strategy. You'd have to get a bunch of pitchers that the Giants had never seen before too, because those are the best guys at Oracle Park. So just uh, right, just a exactly. bunch of pitchers they've never seen before to shut down opposing lineups, throw them the other way. Yeah, you make your debut. You make your debut. <laughs> we all make our debuts. Carrie, you're but, pitching on Thursday. <laughs> I do think there is an opportunity, though, at this year's trade deadline to move some guys who are on the 40-man roster, and Farhan has done that in the past. You've looked at you know that 2021 trade with Chris Bryant. Canario was involved in that deal because he was on the 40-man roster, and he wasn't going to be useful for at least the next two more seasons. And so they said, look, 
opportunity to involve you in a deal, opportunity to get a big guy. This is a win for the 40-man roster. And I think this year's 40-man roster presents a number of different uh, options. I, I could foresee them trading even a Keaton win. I could see them looking you know, further down. Randy Rodriguez is a name who I think will come up a lot for Farhan and Pete in these deals because he's on the 40-man. And, you know, further down, David VR has struggled. Elliot Ramos is getting hot at AAA. Joey Bart, uh, I know that you'd have to replace him with a third catcher on the 40-man, but there are guys who, who maybe haven't hit their apex in San Francisco who have value to other organizations, rebuilding organizations, that can give these guys 200 at-bats in August and September and see what they become. Yeah, Jose Cruz, I think, is a guy who has lit it up in the minors, and he's on the 40-man as well. We forget about him. And, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. They, they liked those pieces on the 40-man roster to all be people who have options who can come up and down or fill in and be useful. And it's really tough to have multiple players on that 40-man roster who really aren't able to help the big league club. And, you know, it's funny. We, we thought Luis Matos was, was one of those players, and, and there's no way he'd be in the big leagues this season. And lo and behold, here he is. And Marco Luciano is at AAA now. Uh, the Giants just moved him up from AA to AAA, you know, really encouraging how he's cut his strikeout rate. And I know the, the numbers haven't been eye-popping. I don't know if he hit his way out of the league, but the fact that he is one level away, I think, is pretty encouraging. And if they if they get to a position where they, they really are struggling in the middle infield, you could do worse than calling up Marco Luciano. He's on the 40-man, right? So um, you wouldn't have to create a space for him, and he's you're still your top prospect. So even though he may not be ready, he is a, a depth piece now. He's a functional depth piece. So I hear what you're saying about that, and that is if you're looking to sort of predict what uh, a Farhan Zaidi trade looks like, you know, Melissa Lockard said something a while back. She noticed this when, when Farhan was with the A's, that a lot of deals end up looking like uh, I think that the Sam Dyson deal with the Twins, you get, you know, one guy who's in the upper minors who may be on the 40 man, one guy who, you know, is maybe at single A, and then one guy who's like maybe an international player who's just a total lottery ticket, who's still maybe 18 years old. You just sort of like, you know, pluck one from each bucket. And it makes sense because, you know, you're always looking to protect your inventory. And if you get three players that are on their 40-man roster, you got to make room for them. If you get three players who will have to be protected from the Rule 5 draft a year from now, you're going to have to make room for them all at one time. And so it's good to, you know, kind of sort of seed the garden, I guess, as you're going along and not just, you know, have all your seeds in one clump, uh, so to speak. Yeah, and if there's one thing we know, Farhan will do several deals in the moments leading up to the deadline that involve, you know, swaps with the Tampa Bay Rays on their 40-man roster, or swaps with the Seattle Mariners on their 40-man roster, with guys who are facing the crunch at the end of the season who need to be added ahead of the Rule 5 draft or who the Giants aren't planning on adding. Those type of deals will get announced like an hour after the deadline. I, I still go back to 2019. I think we were in the clubhouse at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia when Mark Melanson got traded, and I, that deal felt like it happened, you know, four or five minutes after the trade deadline. That might have also been the Sam Dyson deal, and the Giants just brought in the reinforcements, had them ready to go, and they just have a flurry of action in the moments leading up to, what is it, one Pacific on that day? Right, I believe so. And yeah, that, that Melanson deal, The not only did the the Braves take all the money in that deal, and I don't have the exact number, but it was pretty pretty good chunk of change, but the Giants got Tristan Beck back in that deal, and he's been pretty good. So, you know, I, that that probably ranks uh, top three, maybe in in uh, in terms of 
best trades that uh, Farhan Zaidi has made. And obviously, Lamont Wade Jr., uh, Mike Yastrzemski, I mean, you can point to several, so that stand out. But I think that Melanson for Beck one is is a pretty sneaky, great trade that uh, that the Giants made. So yeah, you're right. Eventually, you want to get to the, to the point where you are the Rays, and you're the team that has, you know, the 40-man issues, and you have to trade a Brett Wisely, you know, before you'd have to protect him. And I think the Giants are getting closer to that. But yeah, they're they're so good. It's such a it's such a um, sort of demonstrated skill that they have in in baseball operations. No matter where you are as an organization, no matter what your payroll is, you want to keep flexing that muscle because it leads to good results. Yeah, and you have to know your guys. You have to know your farm system inside and out because you can't have anything like the 2018 Martin Luther King Day deal that. Andrew McCutcheon comes to the Giants, Brian Reynolds goes to the Pirates, and that's not something that you can have, afford to happen at the deadline or, or in the offseason at any point. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he was, I think he was their top pick. I think he was he was not a first-rounder, but he was their top pick that year. They 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 knew him well. I don't think they, they thought he was going to develop the kind of power that he later developed. But they, they wanted to keep the top spinning. You know, they wanted to try to to bank on another year of, of the Brandons bouncing back and Buster and and it just it, the enterprise just wasn't solid enough for a, for a Longoria and a McCutcheon to to make them good again. You know, I I think the best possible thing happened to them this year, which is they've gotten contributions from the farm system. That's that has I think really energized a lot of fans who really want to embrace players that come up through the system like they did with Timmy and and Buster and Bumgarner and, and Kane go down the list. But I, nothing, nothing would would make the Giants the toast of the town more than getting Otani, even if it's just for two months. I hate to keep coming back to it, but it, it's 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 going to be the story of the trade deadline until the trade deadline ends. There's things they can do, but but obviously that's that is the pie in the sky, and it's it's really if the Angels are are going to move him, hey, you know the the Giants director of pro scouting is is the brother of. The Angels' general managers, so they've got that connection too, Zach Manassian and Perry Manassian. So, so who knows? Maybe they're cooking something up right now. Yeah, I, I like the Manassian connection. Just don't have Buster Posey involved in uh, the recruitment of a high-profile player. Or don't have Buster <laughs> Posey on the phone this time. <laughs> yeah, in Buster's defense, I think that uh, the Giants not having a DH uh, back then probably meant that. Uh, and there were some hard feelings, I think, on the Giants' side at the time. They put a lot of, of effort into that proposal, and I think it was pretty much DOA. And uh, But you know what? Maybe they made an impression back then, and it wasn't possible because they didn't have a DH. But maybe some of the work that Bobby Evans and those folks did way back then, maybe that lodged in, in Otani's brain. And it'll be something that he thinks about when he has a, a decision to make. But, man, it would be nuts. It would be absolute nuts if, if – uh, if he came here. And and you know what? The Giants, the last two draft picks have been two-way players. So, you know, maybe maybe it really could be a cultural kind of fit as well. So, yeah, I, I would be really, it would be really interesting to see what would happen. It would be franchise changing. It would, it would be, it would be city changing, you know, if, if Shohei Otani came here. But uh, that's why it's kind of hard, I think, for me to focus on all of the other, like, middle infield depth questions, all the questions, <laughs> because th- this one out there is just so compelling. It's, it's so compelling. Let's get into Nolan Gorman's splits against lefties, huh? No, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> right. There's there's nothing quite like this story. And if he doesn't get traded at the August 1st deadline, Bax, we're still going to talk about this guy until he signs with a new team in the offseason, whenever that may be. And for whatever sum of money is going to change the sport and, and change the way we view baseball and change a, a new franchise when Shohei Otani signs, because it's going to completely dominate everything. 
And even if he stays an angel or, or goes in a different uniform the rest of this year, I mean, one of the best things the Giants can do uh, is to win and to keep looking sustainable and maybe to make a deep run. The better that they play from this point forward, I think the more attractive they'll be to, to any free agent, especially one as high profile as him. So they're going off up to Washington, D.C. this weekend. They lose their travel day to make up a game at Detroit. You know, they've come through some rain delays. They've, they're still a little bit banged up. They're, they're not running on all cylinders, but they're still winning series or, or splitting series. And, and on the road, that's what you got to do. And they'll get a little bit of a, a break when they come home. Uh, not that the A's are a break, but they obviously they, they have the record that they have and they've got some off days mixed in there too. So if they can just sort of see the rest of this road trip through, uh, then they should be positioned pretty well for what's in front of them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to add, because I, I don't know if you've looked at the August schedule bags, but, uh, it's it's not getting any easier for the Giants right now. Yeah, you've got the uh, Phillies and uh, and Braves road trip mixed in there. Um, you've got uh, I think they also go to Anaheim. They've got the Rays and Bruce Bochy's Texas Rangers on a homestand. That's going to be uh, pretty emotional when Boch comes home. Uh, Diamondbacks as well. So some good teams on the uh, on the schedule. But we are. At time, and I think the reason we're going over time, as Brian Smith reminds me, is because usually it's Grant who wraps this thing up. It's not on me to say, this has been episode number 238 of the Bags and Brisby and Crowley podcast, but I will say it now. So thank you very much for downloading and listening, and we will back, we'll be back with another episode at some point uh, to be determined next week. So any last words, Kerry? It's been a privilege to fill in for uh, for Grant Brisby and don't worry. Someone else will be back to talk about John Bowker and Cody Ransom. <laughs> It'll probably be me. It'll probably be me. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>